Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, and more importantly, welcome back, Giants fans, to another episode of the Say Hey Podcast, the podcast that is home to all things Giants baseball. Folks, before we dive into today's show, I would like to take a moment to let you know that you can find the Say Hey Podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, then don't be afraid to subscribe. And if you really like the show, then make sure to leave a review. But most importantly, make sure to spread the word. With that being said, let's dive right in. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Say Hey Podcast, episode 41. Can you believe it? I sure can't, that's for sure. I'm your host today, James Donahue, as I am for every show. And like always, everyone, I've got a great show for you today. So along with making sure you guys are all caught up with everything that's been going on in spring training over the past week since we last spoke, I'm also going to construct, or at least I'm going to attempt to construct, the perfect opening day lineup. And of course, this is all in my opinion. So be sure to stick around to see where you feel I was right in placing certain players and, of course, where I was wrong. And the last thing I'll say before we dive into our segments today is that, guys, we need to get excited. We are officially 10 days out from opening day. That's absolutely insane. It feels just like yesterday we were just watching the World Series and now baseball is back again. I personally couldn't be more excited about Giants baseball and I hope you guys are excited as well. All right, here we go. Moving on to the news and notes from around our team segment. First player I'm going to mention is Evan Longoria. So two weeks ago, I talked about how Longoria was having a hot start to spring after just five at-bats. Well, now after 19 at-bats, we can see that Longoria is refusing to slow down. He's another guy who's trying to show that age is just a number. So far this spring, he's produced a 474 batting average and a 1.711 OPS with four home runs. Again, that's in 19 at-bats. Two of those home runs came in one game, and the fourth home run came during Sunday's game against the Dodgers, when he also hit a double in that game. This is one of the biggest things that is happening for the Giants in spring training because Longoria also happens to be the Giants' best defensive option at third base by a landslide. The only problem is that Longoria is currently dealing with something called plantar fasciitis. I'm no doctor, so I have no idea what that means medically speaking, but all I know is that he has plantar fasciitis in his foot. And to put it in the simplest terms as possible, the way I interpret it is that it's super painful for Longoria to be on his feet for long periods of time, which is probably why he has yet to play a single game on the field this spring. All the games that he's played so far has been at DH. So it's definitely refreshing to see Longoria contribute offensively this way because his bat, when he's healthy, will allow him to stay in the lineup. I just don't know how much this plantar fasciitis is going to affect him throughout the entire season. But if it doesn't affect him too much, then this is so refreshing to see him play the way he's playing right now because I'm sure to nobody's surprise, the Giants right now during spring training are currently leading the league in errors. Again, that's probably to nobody's surprise. So if Longoria can stay healthy and if this fasciitis doesn't affect him too much, 
then not only do we get a great defender at third base, but we also get a great bat. And if you're saying to yourself, well, James, this is great what he's doing in spring training, but is it sustainable? Because if you look at the 2020 season, you can see that he produced only a 254 batting average. Well, let me just say this. If we take the time to look at his advanced stats, we can see that his XBA, or in other words, his expected batting average, was 280. And again, the way XBA, or again, expected batting average, is calculated is by examining the quality of contact the player is making with the baseball all year and saying, look, based on how well this guy is hitting the ball, which is it really well, this is the batting average he should be producing. And Longoria was making fantastic contact throughout the entire season. So on his end, Longoria was doing everything he possibly could have. He was making great contact. And his batting average should not have been 240. It should have been more like 270 around the 280 range. Okay, well then you're probably saying to yourself, then what, what was he striking out a lot? What was going on? Why, why was he not getting up to that batting average? Well, actually no. Longoria finished the 2020 season with an 18.7 strikeout percentage, which is less than the league average 21.8%. So he was striking out less than the league average. Longoria's problem is that he ran into the shift a lot throughout the year. That's right, the dreaded defensive shift. The defensive alignment that allows teams to have like seven players in left field against right-handed batting and vice versa against left-handed batting. I personally cannot stand the shift. I think it's a terrible idea to allow the shift if your goal is to grow and market the game of baseball. Nobody wants to see the power hitters of their team be forced to lay down a bunt down the third base or first base line. When I go to the ballpark, I'm hoping for loud hits from guys like Belt, Yaz, and Longoria. Big, loud hits and home runs is what gets the fans excited, and the shift completely suppresses that experience. Anyways, I feel like I'm kind of getting on a tangent here. That is all for my TED Talk about the shift. Back to Longoria. I'm not saying Longoria will produce a 300-plus batting average, all I'm saying is that he has a real shot at producing a 288 batting, excuse me, 285 batting average and possibly reaching 20, at least 20, maybe 20 plus home runs if he stays healthy and plays a lot of games, which in my opinion isn't too far-fetched considering that last year during the 2020 season, he was on pace to hit 31 doubles, 22 home runs and 85 RBIs. That's a fantastic season from the veteran Evan Longoria. All right, moving on to the next batter, and that's Yaws. That's right, Mike Yastrzemski. Last week, I mentioned how Mike Yastrzemski hit his first homer of the spring, and, you know, we have more good news. And the good news is that it didn't take long for him to hit his second one of spring. During Sunday's game, Yaws went two for three with a home run and a triple, and his batting average is now sitting at a respectable 308, and he has an OPS of 973. I obviously miss baseball just as much as you do, and I wanted to start already so badly. But one of the biggest reasons is just so I can watch Yaz. Yaz is just simply incredible. This will be his third year in the big leagues, and I think it's safe to say that we as Giants fans know exactly what to expect from the grandson of a Hall of Famer, and it truly is something special to witness. And if you listened to last week's episode, then you know how I'm expecting big things from Yaz since I gave a bold take that him and Brandon Belt will both reach 30 home runs. All right, moving on to the next player. A player I, I don't think I've talked about yet on this podcast, and that's Austin Slater. 
And the reason for that is because he had a late start to spring due to dealing with some hamstring injuries. But he's back now, and after just 16 at-bats so far, he's already produced a 375 batting average and an OPS of 1.00. A lot of you remembered that Slater led the team in steals last year while also producing a 282 batting average and hitting five home runs. So far in the spring, he's only had one home run, but again, he's only had 16 at-bats. Slater might be the secret weapon for the Giants along with Jason Vossler. It seems as though the Giants don't want to limit him to just a platoon role or a platoon option in left field with Alex Dickerson. I personally think the team wants him to be more than that. They're, I think they're trying to push him to be an everyday player, which is why he's played some games in center field, actually, which is great because if we if he can get comfortable in that position, then that creates more opportunities in order to keep his bat in the lineup as much as possible. All right, that's going to be all for the hitters that I have for today. Moving on to some pitchers. Relief pitcher Jake McGee. A while ago, I mentioned that I haven't seen the most out of Jake McGee as I w would have liked, and he must have listened to that episode because since then, he's been dialed in. After five total innings pitched so far this spring, McGee is sporting an ERA of zero and has struck out seven batters in those five innings and has only given up one hit and zero walks. This is exactly what the Giants paid for this offseason. I so badly want a bullpen that everyone can depend on and get excited about, and whether McGee can be successful or not is going to be a huge part of that. Moving on to another relief pitcher, and that's Nick Tropiano. During Sunday's game, Nick Tropiano pitched two innings of relief, and the results were definitely eye-opening. He only surrendered two hits, but zero runs, a walk, and struck out five batters. Tropiano is not really someone who's going to blow by a 98-mile-per-hour fastball uh, by a opposing hitters, but his off-speed stuff was proving to be quite debilitating to opposing hitters. If Tropiano can make the starting roster, then that's huge for the Giants because he can make spot starts if necessary, and he can also pitch multiple innings of relief. However, at this point, I really don't know what his chances are of making the lineup, but if it were up to me, it would most definitely be a no-brainer, especially since all offseason long, Farhan Zaidi and Scott Harris, who is the general manager, were both saying how important it is to have pitching depth. So if he doesn't make the big league roster the first time around, then I definitely expect him to come up at some point, especially if there's going to be a lot of injuries throughout this year. All right, moving on to the next pitcher, and that's going to be Aaron Sanchez. Yes, that's right, the guy that I've hyped up so many times throughout this offseason. Last Friday, Sanchez made his first start of spring training, and it was also happened to be his first start in a year and a half. He pitched 2.1 innings, surrendered five hits, three earned runs, but did not give up any walks, and he struck out two batters. Now, I understand this stat line does not necessarily breed confidence, but we have to remind ourselves that this was his first start in a year and a half. I'm nowhere near ready to hit the panic button, and in my opinion, I don't think you should either. And I know that stat line must be even more frustrating to hear considering how much hype I've been giving Sanchez throughout the offseason. All I ask is that at this point, you give him a little more time to show that he can be a huge contributor this year to this team. All right, moving on to the last pitcher and the last bit of updates, and that's going to be Scott Kazmir, again, the 37-year-old. He started Sunday's game against the Dodgers, and in my opinion, he definitely held his own against one of the best offenses in baseball, if not the best. He finished the day pitching three innings, 
only surrendering two hits, two earned runs, one of those hits being a home run from Corey Seager, one walk, but struck out four batters, including Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger. The elephant in the room, like I just said, is that he gave up a monster home run to Corey Seager, who absolutely obliterated the baseball into a different dimension. But in my opinion, Kazmir had himself a nice day, and more importantly, he kept the Giants in the game, which is all we need at this point considering how good the Giants' offense is. If the pitchers can start holding opposing teams to some scoreless innings here and there, then the Giants have as good a shot as anyone to win the ballgame. I don't necessarily expect Kazmir to make the big league roster. It's a great story, but I do expect him to get called up at some point because, in my opinion, as I just said when I talked about Tropiano, there will be times where the Giants need extra pitching help. But in the meantime, it's fantastic to know that the 37-year-old can still hold his own at the big league level. All right, here we go. Oh, wait. I always do that every time I'm recording. I forget that I have one last bit of news. All right, I swear, I promise, this is officially the last bit of news and updates I'll mention, and it's that there have been a few more cuts to the team, and you're probably not going to be happy to hear who it is, because I know I'm not. So last Saturday, the Giants optioned Steven Duggar, Anthony Bonda, Jason Crizan, Sam Long, and Heliot Ramos to minor league camp, reducing their spring roster from 47 to 42. All right, so the names I'm bummed to see are Duggar, Ramos, and Sam Long. Ramos does not necessarily surprise me at all considering how the front office handles their top prospects, but still, Ramos is having a monster spring, so I wouldn't be surprised if he continues to tear it up in the minors and the Giants maybe decide to pull him up at some point during the second half of the regular season, or maybe even sooner than that considering if there are a lot of injuries or not. But again, at the end of the day, this really isn't too surprising for me to see. However, a name that I was a little bit surprised to see is Sam Long. He's a name that I'm slightly surprised about considering how dominant his start to spring was. But a few weeks ago on March 12th against the Rockies, Sam Long gave up two hits, four earned runs, walked four batters, and those two hits I just mentioned were homers, and that all happened in one inning. So maybe that was enough for the Giants to decide that he might need time to develop, but the good news is that the team likes his stuff. And I, don't, I think anyone should like his stuff. He's a lefty who throws 97 miles per hour and pairs that fastball with an unbelievable curveball. So in my opinion, we will definitely see Sam Long again at some point during the regular season. And lastly, I'm just kind of bummed for Steven Duggar. I really want him to put things together, mainly because he's a great defensive asset, but also just because he's been with the team a while now. We know Steven Duggar. He's starting to develop some really loyal fans here in the Giants organization. So he's just a guy that I would like to see put it together here. But who knows? Maybe he's also going to be, well, no. He definitely will be up at some point in the regular season as well. All right. Moving on to the main segment of the day. And it's me constructing my perfect roster for opening day. All right. So something to consider before we dive into this. The Giants in 2021 can't DH Longoria. They can't have a DH at all during the regular season in the National League. They'll have a designated hitter for their first season opening series in Seattle. But after that, they'll have only seven more road games in American League parks. So the way I constructed this lineup is I used a DH. I cheated a little because the first team the Giants play plays in the American League, the Mariners. So I decided to cheat a little bit and use a DH uh, just for entertainment purposes. All right, here we go. 
Leading off for the San Francisco Giants, it's going to be second baseman Tommy Lestella. This is starting to become a no-brainer because of the fact that Lestella led the league in strikeout percentage last year, which means he struck out the least amount in all of baseball. He's going to work the counts, which is a problem right away for starting pitchers, especially right-handed pitchers, again, which is how I constructed this lineup with a DH and an opposing right-handed pitcher because they will develop high pitch counts early in the game, and Lestella just knows how to get on base, which is perfect for the second hitter in this lineup, and that's going to be Mike Yastrzemski in right field. Yaws might be one of the most versatile hitters in this lineup. His plate discipline and what he does in two-strike counts, along with being a lefty on top of that, makes him eligible to hit anywhere in this lineup. If my bold take of Yaws reaching 30 home runs this year comes to fruition, then this is the perfect opportunity to score some runs early on in the game, especially since the players who will follow are also huge threats. All right, batting third for the Giants is going to be DH, Donovan Solano. That's right, I chose Donnie Salami's bat over his defense. All right, Donnie Barrels can hit any pitcher, and it doesn't matter if it's a righty or a lefty, flat out. Last season, Solano produced a 350 batting average against lefties, but he also managed to produce a 315 batting average against righties. Oh, and not to mention, Donovan Solano is currently sporting a 500 batting average this spring. I like Solano in this spot because like La Stella, Solano knows how to get on base, which is perfect for the number four hitter, and that's going to be Brandon Belt, and he's playing first base, obviously. Now, there's not too much to say here. Bell can easily be the third place hitter in this lineup, but I like him in the fourth spot because of the obvious power he brings to the table, especially when batters one, two, and three will most likely be on base when he comes to the plate. And the best part is that Bell doesn't necessarily need to hit a home run every time he comes to the plate because of the power that's going to be following him in the fifth hole, and that's going to be Wilmer Flores playing third base. Now, last season, Wilmer Flores led the team in home runs with 12 and was on pace to hit 36. I love the power that he's figured out how to tap into, but more importantly, I love that he doesn't strike out a lot for a power guy. Last year, he produced the highest strikeout percentage of his career, and that was only 16.9%. And again, just to remind you, league average last year was 21.8%. So even though he was striking out more frequently compared to previous seasons, he was still well below league average. I also like Wilmer here because in case Belt strikes out or can't get things done at the plate, you have another power bat to follow. All right. For the sixth place hitter, I put Alex Dickerson, and he's going to be playing left field. Now, me personally, I think Dickerson is the better overall hitter compared to Flores, but the only reason why I slotted Flores ahead of Dickerson is because I value lefty bats more than I do righty bats against a right-handed pitcher. And I, as I was looking over the top five or six hitters, the majority of them are lefties, and then I realized there weren't enough lefties towards the bottom of the lineup. So that's the only reason why I stuck Dickerson behind Wilmer Flores. So let's just say hitters one, two, and three all start out the inning failing to get on base. That means the next inning, you'll have another lefty bat in belt leading off. Then you have Flores, but if he gets out, then you have another lefty bat to follow in Dickerson, who has a better odds in extending the inning against a righty pitcher. So that's the only reason why I stacked Belt, Flores, Dickerson that way. All right, the seventh hitter, that's going to be Buster Posey, who is obviously going to be doing the catching as well. There's not much analysis here. I'm, not, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. This just comes down to the fact that Posey is the next best hitter in this lineup. 
It concerns me a little bit that Posey is already experiencing hip tightness during spring, but as of right now, there's no major concern to be had. I don't expect Posey to be an all-star, as I've said numerous times on this podcast, but just in case the opposing pitcher is dominating and has pitched 1-2-3 innings against batters 1-6, through Posey can then serve as the final leadoff hitter to hopefully start a late-inning rally at the bottom of the order. All right, moving on to the eighth-place hitter, and that's going to be shortstop Brandon Crawford. Now, I really don't want to talk poorly of Crawford's offense last year because he had a great 2020 for Crawford standards. Really, he did. The only problem is that he's not a batter who's going to produce a high batting average. It seems as though he's tapping into the power more and more, but one thing I do like about Crawford is that he is a doubles machine. Last year, Crawford was on pace to reach 24 home runs and 84 RBIs, but what's even more impressive, in my opinion, is that he was on pace to hit 36 doubles, which is perfect to have at the bottom of the order, especially if Posey gets on base. Now, you might be asking yourself, well, James, if he has the potential to reach that type of power, wouldn't you want that higher in the batting order? And to that, I say, great question. You're probably right. However, for me personally, Crawford just strikes out a little too much for me to feel comfortable slotting him in the 5th or 6th spot, which is also why I have him slotted in ahead of the ninth place hitter, who is Austin Slater. That's right, Austin Slater, and I have him playing center field. Now, when we were all growing up playing Little League, we all know that the ninth place hitter was usually the worst one in the lineup. Now, I'm speaking from experience. I usually bat at ninth every single game. However... If I'm the one constructing the batting order, the ninth place spot is just a second leadoff spot. Slater is definitely not the worst hitter in this lineup, but an aspect of his game that I very much enjoy is his speed on the bases. So, let's just say Crawford does hit one of the many doubles he'll hit this year. Now, if Slater also gets a hit, the Giants have a nice little rally heading into the top of the order with speed at first base. Plus, Slater also has some sneaky power, which is really nice to have at the bottom of the order. Slater is the type of hitter who can cause problems for pitchers, especially when the next three batters are Listella, Yaz, and Donovan Solano. In my opinion, this lineup would give the Giants their best shot at winning ballgames, but of course, there are so many other factors to consider, such as health, for players like Belt, Posey, Slater, and Longoria, who I didn't even put in this lineup at all today. Also, the absence of the DH will greatly affect this lineup I constructed today. All I know is that the Giants now have a crazy amount of depth in their lineup on and on their bench. I didn't even talk about Mauricio Dubon, Lamont Wade Jr., Evan Longoria, Darren Ruff, Jason Vossler, who still has a shot at making the team. So in terms of offense, it's obvious that the Giants front office excelled in acquiring more depth to their team. All right, everybody, that is going to be all for today's show of the Say Hey podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully it was a little entertaining. If you disagreed with anything that I said when I was constructing a lineup, please let me know. I'd love to talk about it, have some constructive criticism, have some great talks about baseball. But overall, let's just get excited about the fact that Giants baseball is starting in 10 days. Again, folks, you can find the Say Hey podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and you can leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts if you feel so inclined. And like always, everybody, continue to stay safe out there, continue to be smart, but most importantly, go Giants.